Bokertov, welcome back to our ongoing series of Shur and Dafyomi. We're now beginning the third pair of Masachet Yevamot, and we're going to start off with Mishnayot Aleph, Bet and Gimel. We will not spend much time on Bet and Gimel because they will not be explicated until uh, a couple Shur from now, and then we'll go back to them and review them. Uh, but we will read them through and just translate. And the uh, Mishnah Aleph and Mishnah Bet both are cases that we've already dealt with, and we should have some familiarity. It's got four brothers. Two of them are married to two sisters. And the two brothers who are married to the two sisters die. And so now the two sisters fall to the two other brothers. Uh, so they do chalitza. They cannot do yibum. The brothers cannot do yibum. And there are two possible reasons that this is the case, as we saw in our earlier analysis of it. Either because we maintain yesh zika, like Rabbi Shimon, and if we say yesh zika, then that means that the one sister who fell to one of the brothers is the sister of his zikuka. And achot zikukato is a minimum, minimal form of achot ishto, and therefore he cannot do yibumanu. However, it's not a strong enough connection to exempt her totally, and therefore she needs chalitza. The other way to look at it, like Rabbi Meir, is to say that ain't Zika. And these two girls who fell, fell independently. The only problem is that if brother number three, let's say, does Yibum on sister number one, and then brother number four dies, then brother number three can now not do Yibum or Chalitza or anything on sister number two, because she is Achotishto, and therefore we're Mavatl Mitzvah Okay. Now, the Inkidmuvakin Su Yotziu. So the Mishnah now takes a very strong position. Which is that if the brothers, brothers three and four, married sisters one and two, then they have to separate, that the marriage is invalid. Now, Rabbi Eliezer Omeri disagrees, and he says, And that's the end of Mishnah Aleph. Rabbi Eliezer says it's a machloket as to how to deal with the circumstance where the brothers did marry the sisters. Beit Shammai says they may stay married, and Beit says you'll see. Good. Now, the second Mishnah, um, let's say that sister number one was Asura to brother number three, as an example, as an erva. She was uh, his daughter-in-law, his mother-in-law, some other erva, right? Then Asur ba'umutaba Then he, of course, may have nothing to do with sister number one, but sister number two is totally mutar, and he could do yibum with her, because... Sister number two is the only one who's available. She's not achot zekukato because sister number one is not zekukatim. Vasheni asur bishtehen. And brother number four is still asur in both of them. You don't say because brother three could marry sister number two, brother four could marry sister number one. No, he's still asur to both. Now, isur mitzvah, isur kedusha, which we already dealt with in the second parak. Let's say that one of the sisters was asura to one of the brothers because of isur... Um, because of uh, Isur Mitzvah or Isur Kedusha. So, for instance, one of the brothers was Ptua Daka. Right? Now, Cholat said Velomit Yabemet. So, that sister who is Asura by Isur Mitzvah needs Chalitza. Um, now, Haita Achat Mehan Asura Alzeh Isur Ervah, Vashni Asura Alzeh Isur Ervah. Now, the extravagant case. Let's say that sister number one was Asura to brother number four as an Ervah, and sister number two was Asura to brother number three as an Ervah. Then, very simple. Sister two can marry uh, brother three. Sister one can marry brother three. And sister two can marry brother four. 
because each brother has only one sister that is available, and the other one is not a chotzekukato. She's nothing because she's a suradim. And that is the aphorism that we said. Meaning a ko yivama who falls from a different house. Who is her sister? That they're both available. When does that happen? That happens when the other one is asur to the brother as an erva. Good. Now, again, we're going to only focus on the first Mishnah in today's podcast and uh, for at least most of the, of the next one. Now, Shmamina Yesh Zika. We, we can infer from our Mishnah that we accept Zika as a principle. Again, Zika meaning that when a girl falls to a man, we consider them from the moment of Nefila, we consider them somewhat married, enough to create a bond so that when these two girls fell, each one of them is a Chodzukukato. Because if you hold Ein Zika, then since they're each coming from separate houses, let each brother be miyabim one of them, Shalom Yisrael. So this seems to support the position of Yesh Zika, and Yesh Zika, as we saw, was a big machlok between Rabbi and Shmuel. So No, I could support a Mishnah and say Ein Zika. Because we have this position, this is Rameir who says, even though Ein Zika, we're not allowed to generate a situation in which the mitzvah of Yibum is going to be cancelled. How's that? Dilma Adimiyabim Chad Mayatidach, like I mentioned in the Mishnah. Brother number one is Miyabim. Brother number three, sorry, brother number one is dead. Brother number three is Miyabim, sister number one. And then before brother number four has a chance to do anything, brother number four dies. Now, what happens to sister number two, and therefore to the household of dead brother number two? She goes free, which means Ramavatl Mitzis Yabmi. All right? Um. So if that's the case, then you should say the same rule, even if there's only three brothers, not four. Why did Mishnah pick a case of four brothers? In the case of three brothers, you would say the same thing, uh, that you cannot, that he cannot do Yibam on either one of them, because, even though you accept Ein Zika, because automatically that's going to be Vatal Mitzis as opposed to doing Chalitza on each one of them. So uh, the answer is, Lomibayekamrina. You're right. Three is obvious. There, Mitzvah Yamin is Batel right away. The minute he has Yibum on one of the girls, the other one goes free. And that household doesn't get that tended to. As opposed to in our case, it can only happen in an unusual circumstance where the brother di- the second brother dies before doing anything. I would think that if there are four brothers, they could do Yibum because uh, I'm not Choshesh that somebody will die. So, so you want to tell me a chiddush, why don't you give me a bigger chiddush? Let's say there's five brothers, and two are married to two sisters, and they die. And the two sisters now fall before the three brothers. Give me a bigger chiddush that all three of the brothers have to do chalitza, because I'm choshesh, that one will do yibum, and the other two will die. The answer is, that we're not choshesh for. To say one person may die, that could happen. But to say that in the very unusual circumstance, that two of these brothers will die before either one of them acts on the Zika is, is very, so unlikely we don't put that into the hopper. So indeed, that means that according to our mayor, if in our scenario there were five brothers, two died and three were left, they, the two, two of those brothers could do evil on the sisters. Now, Amarav Baravuna, Amarav, new case, but of course closely related. Shalosh Achayot, Yivamot, this scene has five brothers. Three of the brothers marry three sisters. 
שלוש אחיות יבמות שנפלו לפני שני אחים יבמים. So these three sisters now fell to two guys. In other words, two brothers. Because the three brothers died, these three women are widowed, they all fall to the two brothers. So one of the brothers gives chalitza to one girl, the other brother gives chalitza to the other girl, and sa'it, meaning the, the third one, it doesn't matter, the middle one, but the third one, she needs chalitza from both of them. That's a very strange position Rav takes. So Amalei Rabba, so Rabba said, said to Rava Baravuna, who quoted Rav, he said, You said that the third one needs chalitza from both, so what does that mean? That must mean yezika. And that means, in other words, that because brother number one, sorry, brother number, th- brother number four um, gave, brothers one through three died. So brother number four gave chalitza to sister number one, now, sister number two is Achot Zukukato, and the same thing with the, with brother number five, right? And since, and since you're holding Yezika, and therefore, what's the problem? That when brother four gives Chalitza to the, the sister number three, um, that is a Chalitza Psula. And what does Rav hold? Chalitza Psula, Tzarech Lach if there is a weak chalitza, quasi-valid chalitza, then you have to go and get that chalitza from all the brothers to cover your bases, to be released. Normally chalitza happens, one brother gets chalitza, you're released. But if there's a chalitza psula, you have to get it from all of the brothers to be released. So therefore he's saying, so what's the case? Brother number four did chalitza on sister number one. That's good. Brother number five did chalitza on sister number two. But now sister number three is the sister of each one of their chalitzot. And you're saying yesh zika, so therefore each one's chalitza is weak, so therefore it needs both. Uh, so if that's the case, then all three of them should need chalitza from both brothers. Because if you say yesh zika, then that means all three of them are achot zekukato, and the chalitza is weak, and therefore you need from everybody. So you're right. You'd be right. If they all, all the brothers died at one time, and the three sisters fell at one time, then you would be right that that uh, they would need chalitza from, all the bro- from both brothers, all three of them. So, what we're talking about a case where they died one after the other. So what happened is, sister number one fell to the brothers, and brother number four did chalitza on it. And then sister number, then sister number two died. Uh, so sorry, brother number two died, and sister number two fell to Reuven and Shimon. Reuven cannot do the chalitza. Sorry, brother number four cannot do the chalitza because this is achot chalutzato, and therefore the brother number five does chalitza on her. Nafla idach. Then brother number three dies, and his his wife falls, and she is achot chalutzato of each one of them. Chalatzla hai mafka zikato. Chalatzla hai mafka zikato. So each one does chalitza, and his own half, as it were, of the zika gets released. That is Rav. I, but that's all based on the principle of the Zika. I, Vama Rav, Ein Zika. Remember, Rav was the one who authored the, the statement on Dafyud Zion that said Ein, uh, Ein Zika because he said if a Shomeret Yavam dies, you're allowed to marry her mother. In other words, there was no marriage at all because she never did Yibum. So the answer is Ladivrei Omer Yesh Zika Kamar. Rav was speaking not on his own behalf, but on behalf of the position that says Yesh Zika, saying if you accept Yesh Zika, then indeed um, she needs chalitza from the third one, needs chalitza from both brothers. Okay, that's Rab. 
Shmuel Amar Echad Cholitz Lekulan. This is very confusing. Shmuel says one can, one of them can give Cholitz to all three. Mashma from at this point that Shmuel says that brother number four can give Cholitz to sisters one, two, and three, and that's it. Now Mechli Shemin and Leila Shmuel Damar Cholitz Malia Ba'inon. We know that Shmuel says that a, that you need to have the best possible Cholitz in order to release them. The Amar Shmuel. What, how do we know that? Because what did Shmuel say? Now, what's the case? The case is as follows. Um, uh, two uh, sisters fall and, um, and fall to you from two different brothers. And there's three brothers in the case. And two brothers are married to two sisters and also married to other women. And the two brothers die, and so they all fall to this one guy. So if the, the, the guy has to tend to both households, if he gives chalitza, this is the first read of Shmuel, if he gives chalitza to the sisters, the tsarot are not exempted. But mashma, if he gives chalitza to the, to the tsarot, that the sisters are exempted. In other words, you have to do the best possible chalitza. That's Shmuel's position. So, so, it, so how could Shmuel say that one guy should give chalitza to all three of them? After all, the brother number four gave Chalitza to sister number one, correct? And we already said this case is where they, they fell one after another. So sister, brother number four gave Chalitza to sister number one. Whose Chalitza would now be better for sister number two? No question that brother number five's would. Because brother number four would now be giving Chalitza to Achot Chalutzato, who he could never do Yibam with. So clearly brother number five is better. And Shmuel always said, you've got to have the best possible Chalitza out of the group. So why would he say brother number four could do all three? All right, so my Echad Cholet Lekulan, what did Shmuel mean when he said Echad Cholet Lekulan, Nami? The Kamar Em what he meant was, he's referring to the, the, the last girl. In other words, he agrees with Rav, brother number four gives sister number one, and brother number five gives sister number two. But unlike Rav, he says that brother number four or brother number five can do the single chalitza on sister number three, and that's good enough, and you don't need both of them to do it. So the machloket only comes down to what you do with the last girl. All right, I have a hakulan kamar, but Shmuel said, achar kulan to all of them. So kevan deruba gabe karile kulan. All right, this is a little difficult, but the Gemara says that since most of them, meaning two out of the three girls, are getting chalitza from this guy, they're called kulan. Good. Now, there's another answer to Shmuel. That Shmuel perhaps did not really maintain that you always have to have the best chalitza. Maybe Shmuel maintained that you could have uh, any sort of chalitza will be enough to, to release that girl from Yibam, from Zika. That when do you say that you need the best possible chalitza? That is to exempt somebody else. In other words, when you have a group of women who all fell at the same time from one man, so any one of them gets chalitza, they're all released. But when there are varying degrees of problem in the relationship with the yavam, or the potential yavamin, one of them are sisters to, to his wife, and one of them is an Arab, and one of them is Yisra Mitzvah, whatever it is, then Shmuel would say, to release that girl herself, any chalitza is good, but to, to have her chalitza release everybody, there you need the best possible chalitza. In which case, Shmuel now comes out fine. Um... Good. Now let's take a look at Shmuel's statement. Gufa. Amar Shmuel, chalatz l'achayot, o niftarut sarot. Shmuel said that if you give chalitza to the sisters, 
then the tsarot are not exempted, but the tsarot nifteru achayot. And he continues on. If you give chalitza to the tsarot, then the achayot are exempted. In other words, the tsarot, who are not sisters to each other, and I'll pre- present the scenario again right now. You have uh, brother number one is married to sister number one and outsider. And brother number two is married to sister number two and another outsider. And somebody who's not related at all. And they both died and fell to brother number three. So the, uh, the read that we had of Shmuel was that brother number three, if he gives chalitza to sister number one, then sister number one's co-wife is not released. And if he gives chalitza to sister number two, then sister number two's co-wife is not released. But if he gives chalitza to co-wife of sister number one, sister number one is released, etc. Right? That's the rest of Shmuel's statement. Shmuel's statement continues. And one thing to explain here. If a woman falls evil, but falls as Yivama, she has Zika, she falls to a guy, and the first thing the guy does is to give her a get. Well, there is no Yibam Achar get. You cannot be miabing her afterwards, but you do have to give her chalitza after that point. Um, if, uh, on the other hand, a fellow gives, does mamar with a girl and then changes his mind, he also has to give chalitza. By the way, he also has to give a get, a get l'mamaro and chalitza l'zikato. That's something we will deal with in a later pair. But that's important for understanding the next of Shmuel's statements. Chalatz l'balataget lo nifturat sarat. With sarat nifturat balataget. So let's say the two women fall, fell, not related at all, not Erevus at all. Two women fell. And one of them you gave a get to, and now you try to decide what to do, and you realize you have to give chalitza. If you give chalitza to the balataget, then the tsara is not exempted. If you give chalitza to the tsara, then the balataget is exempted, because clearly the chalitza to the tsara, to the non, the one who did not get a get, is a stronger chalitza. It is the one thing that is releasing, and therefore it releases the other one. The last one is chalatz levalata ma'amar lo nifterat tsara. That's Ron Iftura Balat Mamar, that's the same thing. No, that's Shmuel. Now, Maishnala Achayota Lonifter, we're only going to look at the first statement, because that's the one that concerns us. Maishnala Achayota Lonifterut Sarot. Why do we say that the Achayot, in other words, if you have these two sisters that fell and they had co wives, so if you gave Chalitza to one of the sisters, the co- her co wife is not released. Why do you say that? Right? Because the Havyala Achot Isha Bezika. Because after all, the, uh, the, uh, the sister that you gave Chalitza to um, is, the, is the sister of another one who is your, who is your uh, wife, Zika. In other words, there's, there's a Zika there to the other sister. So this one that you gave Chalitza to is a weak Chalitza because she's, you know, she's somebody you could never do even with. So it should be flipped also, because it's Sarai, as we learned in the first parak, that Sarai is equal to the Yerva herself. So that means that the co-wife of the sister should be just as much as the sister herself. Because after all, she is the Tsara of Achot Isha Bezika. So the answer is, Kesar Shmuel in Zika. But, so the one way to solve this is that Shmuel says, Ein Zika. Shmuel holds the position, Ein Zika. Ah, Rama Shmuel, Yesh Zika. Remember, we had the big machloka and Dafyud Zayin. Shmuel does say, Yesh Zika. The answer is, Lidivrei Omer, Ein Zika. We just flipped what we did earlier. Just like Rav said, this is on behalf of the position of Yesh Zika. This is on behalf of the position of Ein Zika. Good. Ihachi, Chalatz Lachayot. If you're going to maintain that this entire presentation of Shmuel is within the context of the position of Ein Zika, 
So if that's the case, then how come if you give chalitza to the achayot, after all, if ain't zika, then these sisters are not connected to each other at all. They were married to two different brothers. They fell to you, but they're not connected in any way to each other because there's no zika because they're not connected to you. So therefore, if you give chalitza to the achot, it should be just as strong a chalitza as anything else. So I understand why the tsara of sister number two is not exempt. Why the cave and the chalitz lalaleya? Because if you first gave chalitza to sister number one, uh, and then you exempt, you gave chalitza to sister number two, and I understand why. Once you gave chalitza to the sister number one, forget about Zika, but you gave chalitza to sister number one, I understand now that sister number two's relationship with you is far weaker, because she is achot chalutzato, that you could never marry. So therefore her chalitza is weak. So I now understand why her chalitza is not going to exempt her co-wife. But what about Lea, meaning the first wife that you gave chalitza to, that's a perfectly good chalitza. If you hold Ein Zika, and the chalitza that you gave to the first sister is 100% powerful, it should exempt her tzara. So the Gemara accepts this, and it says, My What did he mean? In other words, when Shmuel said that if you gave chalitza to the sisters, the tzarot are not exempt, that's referring to the other tzara. In other words, you gave chalitza to sister number one and sister number two, then the tzara of sister number two is not exempt. Ah, about tzarot kamar, but he said in the plural tzarot, Sarot Alma, just not Sarot as an institution, not in in this plural in this case. So Iachi Khalat Sarot if So then look at the second case. It's the second statement. It says that if he gave Khalitza to the Tsarot, then the Achayot, then the sisters are exempted. But Sarat Rachel Mimiftara. Now wait a second. If he gave Khalitza to the Tsarav Rachel, how does that exempt? Um, if he first gave chalitza to the tzara of Leah, and then he gives chalitza to the tzara of Rachel, how does that exempt Rachel? This is one of those epigrams that you have to master. But asur adam means a man is not allowed to marry the co-wife of the relative of his chalitza. A man is not allowed to marry a relative of his chalitza. He gave chalitza to a woman, he can't marry her sister. And he cannot marry that woman, that sister's co-wife either. So now what happens is once he gave Chalitza to to um, le, to the Tzara of Leah, of the, of the sister number two, sister number one, let's say, so how does his Chalitza of the co-wife of sister number one, how does that exempt sister number one? After all, that relationship is weak also because she is Tzarat Krovat Chalitza To. His Chalitza is Leah. As is sister number two. And now sister number one is the Krova, and the Tsara of the Krova is the co-wife of sister number one. And that Khalitza is weak also. The answer the answer is um Kamar. Shmuel was not talking about which Khalitza is powerful enough to release, but which sequence is the proper sequence to take. Hitchilbachayot And it's if you started by giving Khalitza to the sisters. Don't, don't then go to the tzarot. Didn't Because after all, if you gave chalitza to the sister number two, and then you went and you were going to give chalitza to the co-wife of sister number one, that's not going to be good enough. Because tzarat kovat chalutzato. 
But in Chilva Tzarot, Nigmor Afba Achayot. But if you started by, by with the Tzarot, and if you started by giving it to the Sarah of sister number two, now you can give it to either sister number one or her co-wife. Why? This is the other side of the epigram. Is that a man is allowed to have relations with the relative of the Tzarah of his Chalitza. And here's how it goes. If he started by giving uh, Chalitza to, uh, to sister number two's co-wife, right? Uh, then um, uh, sorry, but he gave, he started by giving uh, Chalitza to sister number two's co-wife. He now may give Chalitza even to sister number one herself, and that will work. Now, that's all one Mahalach and understanding Shmuel. Rav Ashiyamar, the Olam Kedekamart, he takes it back to the simple explanation, and we shoot, and that, which is that, um, the, that you, if you gave Chalitza to the sisters, the Tzarot are not exempted, and when he gave Chalitza to the, the, the Tzarot, the sisters are exempted, are released. And this is all based on the notion that Yesh Zika. And he says, you're right that Yesh Zika, but Zika is not strong enough to make the Tzara equal to the Erva. In other words, our whole premise in this argument was that Tzara is equal to the Erva. No, that's not true. The, the Zika that makes this woman Achot Zikukato is not as strong Lagabe the Erva, which means the, the relationship with the Tzara is stronger, the potential is stronger, and therefore the Chalitz is more powerful. We have a brighter that supports that. It says, Chalatz la'achayot, lo niftu tzarot. Chalatzarot niftu achayot. A very straightforward statement that sounds like Shmuel. If you gave Chalitz to the sisters, the Tzarot are not exempted, and we, we infer the inverse is, is true. In my time, Allah Mishum le'kasar zika, so it must be because we hold yesh zika. The zika is not strong enough to equate the tzara to the erva herself, and therefore the tzara's relationship is more powerful, and therefore chalitza is more powerful. Answer number three. Says Shmuel's statement is following Beit Shammai. What do Beit Shammai say? Tzarot can marry the brothers. Remember we have the sugya in uh, the end of the first parak. But our whole list of arayot, uh, and it says they're poter tzarot but tzarotei and etc. is only according to Beit Hillel because of the tzor. Beit Shammai says lahefach that if uh, your own daughter falls to you, then you could marry her tzarot. Right. So now, if that's the case, then um, if you if you give uh, chalitza to the tzarot, then that certainly um, is proper chalitza uh, because the tzarot really are available and theoretically you should be able to do even with them. So so why don't you do Yibum? The answer is Remember, Yacham and Nuri said, you know what, let's solve Beit Shammai and Hillel, let's make a Takana that they should always all have Chalitza. But remember we said that Rabbi Yacham and Nuri made a, made a proposal, but it never got passed. The answer is they, the Beit they reassembled and they did pass it. Good. Now, parenthetically, just as a as an as an end piece, Yibayaluhu Baalata Get Uvalata Mamar Ezumen Kodemet. We had before if you have Balataget and not Balataget, or Balat Mamar and not Balat Mamar. So we said that you should always give it to the one who's not Balat anything, and that will exempt the Khalitza, and that will exempt the other one who is Balataget or Balata Mamar. What if you have two wives, two girls fell to you, you gave one a get, the other one you did mamar with, and then 
which one would which chalitza would be stronger to exempt the other one? Um, uh, good. So now, balata get adifa mishum Perhaps balata get is stronger because he already started doing a quasi chalitza act on her, which is to separate. Perhaps Balat Mamar, who is closer to Bia, and therefore more closer to Yibum, her Chalitza is more powerful. Megamliel, in the Mishnah, in the uh, later Perak, uh, who, whether he says it, Ein Getach Chalitza, etc., but he does say, Yesh Getach Chalitza, which means it's a meaningful act. We'll get into the details much later, but what does that prove? Um, if get is really all powerful, then mamar should not be effective afterwards. And if mamar is powerful, then get should not be meaningful. So, what do you see from Gamliel's statement that yesh get get and mamar are equal power, which means effectively that neither one is favored as far as chalitza. Um, and that would mean that either one of them would exempt the other one for chalitza. So if you have balata mama and balata get, and you give chalitza to either one, the other one would be exempted. Okay, everyone should have a wonderful Shabbos, and um, we will pick up with the next sugya after Shabbos, and in Yitzhashem, make it to the Mishnah Andav Chaf Chet Amud Bet.